Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Party of Sleep podcast. We are at episode 81. So if you're uh, checking us out here, we went from Damien Moyal from As Friends Rust to Tupac last week. So what do we get going on this week, guys? We had Tupac on last week? How? Oh, he is alive. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. It's been a fun it's been a fun couple of weeks kind of going all over the map. And this week we had Josh Toomey of the Talk to Me podcast, Primer 55 uh, bassist back in the day. Uh, he's also on the NotFest Twitch stream, which all that stuff is in the uh, the interview. Go go peep that. It'll be here after we talk uh, done get done talking here, but he uh He's a man of many hats and has, has talked to some heavy hitters in the industry over the over the last couple of years and uh, was early to the podcast game, you know, compared to some of us other ones that have been out here for a couple of years. He's he's been doing it for about six. So and and getting, you know, the the, the not fest uh, relationship has become a bigger and better thing that he was already doing. So uh, it, it was an awesome conversation with with uh, with Josh and uh Man, I, I, you guys, we're not going to do a post at the end of it. What do you guys think? It was, it was a good time. Oh yeah. It was a nerd meet nerd moment. You know, he was in a band, but he's also a podcaster. So we can always relate with that stuff. Kind of insider baseball on like, you know, what it's like behind the scenes, which is cool because sometimes I feel like we're kind of in like a, our own little capsule. Like no one really knows the struggle, you know, he knows the struggle, but also just different insight on, you know, waiting by the tour bus, all the actual fan stuff. I always thought I was in a bubble in that sense too. Clearly not. There was a few other people, but um, being in a band and also doing that, it makes me realize that there's some normalcy to it. So that's always cool. But yeah, man, he was awesome. He's a good guy. Totally agree. I'm not going to give anything away, but there's a few things he said where I'm like, we're a special breed, you know, for us to yeah. do this every week, he does it multiple times a week. He's been doing it since he's been a kid. We've been doing it since we were kids. We're the people outside of the, <laughs> I can't say we, Nate's the person outside of the hotel getting autographs. <laughs> yeah. I never took it that far. I went on a few of those escapades with Nate, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but man, you're right. It's like, you know, we joked about Magic the Gathering last week in the intro. It's like, that's a cult. Well, this is a cult too. It's a different kind of cult. It's it, it's a different type of nerdery. You know, we were the kids with the posters on the walls from Hip Raider and Circus growing up. And in a lot of ways we've, We've graduated from that to the same thing, just put frames on it as adults. Yeah. Right. Pretty much. Yeah. We've classed the joint up a little Except. bit, right? <laughs> still in the basement, though. Yeah, right. Yeah, still <laughs> in the basement. And, and talking to our friends and then making new friends over the internet. So, hey, good good for everybody. Yeah, so with all that said, let's get into it with uh, Josh Toomey. If you like what you hear, please go back and check out some of our other interviews. We've had Frank Turner singer-songwriter. We've had Brennan Garone of Incendiary, Chad Neptune of Strong Arm and Further Seems Forever, Nick Wheeler of the All-American Rejects, Ryan Sinnott of the Distillers, and Peanut of 311. All right. What's up, Joshua? How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Nice. Uh, last time uh, we were at a Primer show was uh, back in 2001. I'm not sure if you were with the band yet, uh, but it was for the Introduction to Mayhem touring cycle back in 01 and... Uh, with Reveille and who else was on that tour one? I can't even remember. Dog Fashion Disco. Dog Fashion Disco, Darwin's Waiting Room was up in Portland, Maine. I think it was right before it was before you had joined, but that would have been the first time that we could have possibly crossed paths. Yeah. Yeah, I joined uh Primer in 2002 right after the uh the new on the new release album cycle. I was kind of in the camp during the introduction to Mayhem cycle because 
Primer 55 never had like a solid bass player drummer combo. They they kind of recycled them pretty pretty quickly. I mean, I always joke that I'm like the 13th bass player. I think technically I was the third. But yeah, the when when uh Junior originally left, quit, whatever, I started to go to Louisville. I, I grew up in Nashville. Primary was based out of Louisville. It's about a three-hour drive. Uh, so I started going up to Louisville to to audition. And I was helping them audition drummers. I was bringing drummers with me. And then um, <laughs> I've kind of joked about this in the past, but but dear, what this was during the uh, recording of the new release. And one day I was talking to Jason, rest in peace, Jason. Talked to him on the phone and I'm like, because I mean, he was just dragging it out. And dra- it it might've been a month. I mean, you know, when you're 20, 22, 23, I mean, days seem like years, mm-hmm. but uh, they felt like, I felt like they were just dragging it along and dragging it along. And I really needed a, an answer to if I was going to be in the band or not. And because I had other things going on, I was in a, I was already in a band. I just needed to like get some clarity of what was going on. So I was just like, if you can't tell me today, then, then just take me out of the running trying to like, uh, force the issue and they kind of like they're like well we can't tell you today so i guess uh we'll move on with with kobe and then uh and then kobe got the got the gig and i was listening to uh, a cd sampler came out right when the new release came out called a uh, dude where's my skull <laughs> and it had a uh, had had this life on it and i was so bummed out when i heard this life for the first time i hit play i had the giant speakers and the stereo system going and I was just like, man, I totally missed out on on this awesome band, and and yeah, you know, a few months later, I ended up joining the band anyway. So everything worked out, I guess, in the end. But yeah, man, I was totally, I I tried to like stick, you know, stick my uh, stake in the ground, and uh, it did not work for me. Did they know you from your other band, Twelve Volt? Um, I had uh, my drummer and I in Twelve Volt when our second album or EP came out. Uh, there was something going on where we could not tour. And we had seen another band at a show just selling CDs like in the line, uh, going person to person. They had Discman's, you know, this is back in the day, headphones. I check out my band, mm-hmm. $5 a CD. And uh, so I was like, why don't we try that? And uh, it was Corn Sick and Twisted Tour with Stained back in 2000, 2001, whenever that was. And we went to like Indianapolis and Kansas city and a couple of dates. We just followed the tour made and sold CDs in the line. And it really got to a point where you didn't even have to play the CD for the person. You just said, Hey, you guys want to check out my CD? It's $5. And we were selling enough to basically get a hotel room each night. And so we would get a hotel room, get gas money, get some food, go to the next town. I mean, you know, like I said, I think I was 21 at the time. So, I mean, it was just, you know, everything on whirlwind, all the, all caution to the wind, but stained was going to play an off date in Louisville and primer was going to open. And I had heard a little bit about primer. I hadn't heard them yet. And we go to the show and stained ended up canceling. So primer played like a full headline set. And uh, after the show, Bobby and Jason were walking around and, and Bobby Burns has this air about him that, if you want to go somewhere in life, you would go with that guy, you know, the it factor kind of thing. And I was just like mesmerized by Bobby at the time. And uh, so, so we had met him then and talked to him and, and hung out uh, after the show a little bit. And then, um, you know, probably gave him a CD. And then a few months later is when the PRP posted about, you know, 
Primer 55 looking for bass player or whatever they posted on on the old internet there. And Wookiebus, who still runs the PRP, oh yeah, yeah, had uh had reviewed some 12 volt stuff and and you know emailed back and forth with him a few times about 12 volt news and things like that. And uh, so I just emailed him. I'm like, hey, don't tell my band this, but you know, do you have a, a, a some contact info for Primer? And he's like, yeah. You know, he, he actually uh, told me not to do it because he's like, you got a good thing going on. Don't ruin what you got or something. But, um, but yeah, so I ended up emailing Bobby back then and being like, Hey, do you remember meeting me and blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, that's kind of how, so yes, I had met him briefly and, uh, but I got the contact through uh Wookiebus at the PRP. Nice. Uh, let's, let's rewind a little bit. How did you first start playing music? I mean, you, you, you play bass, is that the first thing you played? Were you playing drums before? Were you doing something different? Uh, you know, funny you said drums. My, <laughs> this is real, real back in the day. Uh, when I was around nine, my dad, uh, his cousin was a drummer in like an 80s glam rock band. Like he would show up to the family reunion in the middle of Kentucky with like a half shirt on, you know, like totally looking off the Sunset Strip. And I thought he was the coolest looking dude ever. <laughs> And we ended up going over to his house one day and he had drums set up in the basement. And so I went down there and I was like, you know, just banging on the drums. And I, and so I left there going, man, I really want to be a drummer. I really want to be a drummer. And I was banging on the, you know, the desk at school and, and everything at the house. And, uh, and, and then sometime after that is when we moved to Nashville and my dad ended up becoming friends with a, uh, a Southern rock kind of tribute band that they were called Southern Comfort. I do remember that. And <laughs> so I go to that rehearsal one night with my dad and I go to get behind the drum kit because I want to be a drummer, but the drummer was left-handed. So I was just like, well, what do I do now? And the bass player goes, you know, hands me his bass. He's like, try this out. So I just stood there and kind of hit the E string and just that rumble of, of bass just going through this practice space. And, you know, from then on, I was like, all right, yeah, I'm going to be a bass player. And then, um, that's about the time, you know, I really got into Metallica, really got into Jason Newstead, uh, Cliff Burton, the whole thing, and, and just spiraled from there, uh, got a bass, and then, um, you know, yeah, just just banged away on it, and luckily got into uh, into some local bands, and then moved on to, what, like, what you know, we've gone on to uh, 12 Volt Negative Earth. Nice. If that kit wasn't left-handed, you might be you might be a drummer right now. I know. Uh, that, wouldn't that be terrible? There's <laughs> <laughs> a whole different world out there, a whole different universe where, where Josh is a, a drummer and not a bassist. Yeah, it's funny, you know, because all around the same time, I mean, you know, we're getting into Metallica. Grunge is really hitting. This is, you know, 91, 92, 93, somewhere in there. And, um, and but I do remember sitting around the lunch table in middle school and like everybody's like, I'm going to be a guitar player. I'm going to be a guitar player. And, and even back then my brain goes, well, these guys are going to need a bass player, you know? Nice. So, so right. if I'm gonna, right. you know, easy way into the band, I'm going to be the bass player. Nice. Josh, hearing you talk about Tennessee, I think the first time I went to Nashville was in 07. I did a little trip sidebar trip from uh, Bonnaroo. So I checked out Nashville and the whole scene there and fell in love with it. One of my favorite cities to this day. I love it there. I uh, never went to Louisville, although I, I want to check that out. But I'm curious, you know, like the music that we hear that's coming out of Tennessee, at least in our age demographic, was like mostly country, right? Yeah. But you're from there. Obviously, that wasn't the case. What was the music scene like there? Is it all over the map or was it? Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely all over the map at the time. Um, 
we would play shows. I mean, we were we were kind of a new metal band. I don't know even know if the term new metal was was big at the time, but yeah. we would uh you know, because we were big into like Fear Factory and Life of Agony and and just heavy, you know, we but we were also big into, you know, the New Orleans sludge scene and things like that too. So, we were just kind of all over the map um influence-wise, but we would play shows with with rap artists and ska bands and and you know there was a little bit of a kind of a whatever you would say was the the new metal of the time you know you would have your deftones clone and your corn clone and your cold chamber clone and your incubus clone you know you kind of had you had that going on but at the same time um it was it was pretty pretty diverse um especially the scene we kind of hung out in i mean and a lot of those people have kind of gone on to do some other stuff. I mean, uh, Nathan Ells, who was the singer of a band called Community Spoon, went on to the Human Abstract. And Shauna Potter, who was in a girl band called Fair Verona, is now the singer of War on Women. So, I mean, like there was there was a lot of a lot of people kind of came out of that scene. And it was definitely, yeah, definitely all over the map. I, I And, we, you know, it's funny you talk about the, you know, everybody always associated Nashville with country. And the one thing I always said about it, I mean, a lot of those country dudes were either old rockers or, you know, were into metal. I mean, when I was in high school, when 12 Volt kind of started coming around immediately, like I grew up in Hendersonville, which is a suburb of Nashville, which is known for like Johnny Cash lived there and Roy Orbison lived there and Conway Twitty. And, you know, you got all the, all the, you know, I went to school with like Reba McIntyre's, you know, nieces and, you know, just all that stuff, man. Taylor Swift went to my high school later on in life, you know, not at the same time, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, are you an ex-boyfriend? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. None of those songs were about me. I did see her at a uh, ice cream shop one day, like early, early on in her, uh, in her career. She was very nice, very kind. She didn't know what she wanted yet. She told me I could go ahead if I wanted to. So very nice and polite. Did um, she sign the CD? No, she doesn't sign the CD. So never mind. Go on. Yeah, no, yeah. Stop, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, Nate has a theory about Taylor Swift signing all of those CDs. Uh, do you want to – can we give the theory? Do you mind? That's yeah, pretty, yeah. I want to see what you think. Go ahead, Nate. Uh, yeah, it's, we had a conspiracy theory episode where I think the last, like, three releases, including this newest one, there's, like, a limited run of signed albums, CDs, and I keep seeing them at my local record store and they keep like populating, like they keep re-upping. I'm like, there's no way she's signing these. A, she doesn't have the time. B, she's, oh, there's gotta be some kind of ego thing where it's like, you're too good to sign CDs, especially right. at face value. The CD is going for like 1295. It's not like yeah. a $75 record. So hmm. my conspiracy is that they're someone signing them for her to make all of her records go diamond. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, you know, it, but if she if if they're all the records are going to go diamond, then I think that might be the, you know, that may be the reason why she does it. You know. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. True. Good point. Yes. Thank you. Now we can put that to bed. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Bury that an ongoing back. joke. Yeah. It's been an ongoing <laughs> joke now for geez, like eight weeks. <laughs> if my podcast was going to go diamond, I would sign every single diamond. Hell yeah! Exactly. Um, us too. Right. Us too. The, um, but what I was getting at is 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 late nineties, I, there was a record store popped up in my little town and, uh, I would go there every day after school and talk to the guy that ran it. And, um, you know, he would always tell me about his band from the eighties and, and still friends with him today. Um, and you know, he, uh, you know, took me to see, took me to see kiss in 97 on the reunion tour, which something I never thought I'd ever see is kiss in the makeup and things like that. But a uh, great dude. And I would just go in there every day. Like I said, every day after school, he's, 
he's probably only a few years older than me, but back then he, you know, he could have been a million years older than me. And one day I go in and he goes, uh, Fred Corey from Cinderella was just in here. He built a studio in town. And I'm like, why is Fred Corey from Cinderella in my little town? And, um, I was like, well, you know, I got to meet him if he's got a studio and he wants to record heavy music. And yeah, he had moved there to record country and kind of get it. Cause that was, you know, the whole glam scene had kind of calmed down and he's a really great engineer and producer. So he, uh, he came to town to record and I, uh, I'm, so I met Fred Corey from Cinderella my senior year of high school with the band that ended up becoming 12 volt negative earth. I think we changed our name while talking to Fred and played him, you know, played him early demos and stuff we had. And he agreed to take us on and actually never charged us the dime and recorded some great demos from back in the day and big, huge learning experience. Just something I didn't take uh, to heart as much as maybe I should have back then, just all the knowledge that he was giving us mm. because when you're 17, 18 and it's a whole new music scene kind of coming up. Cause I mean, this is like I said, 96. So, you know, corn and Deftones, everything is brand new. And you're like, you're like, oh, you're just the old school, you know, this is what's happening now. And, you know, but looking back, I mean, probably should have listened a little bit more. And he was probably <laughs> younger than you are now back then. Oh, by, by far. You know, yeah. it's just crazy. Time is it's funny like that. Yeah. He, we had actually gone through a drummer change at one point and he floated out there that he wanted to be our drummer. <laughs> and we were just like, we cannot have the guy from Cinderella in our band. Like it would be. 12 volt negative earth featuring Fred Corey from Cinderella. And you would immediately just get scoffed at, <laughs> but now you could, now you could, you could be Avenged sevenfold with Mike Portnoy or, you know, any of that stuff. You could be a new metal band with a guy from a hair metal band in your band and they would be fine. But back then I well, feel like it was a little bit more of a, you know, a stigma around that. Did, didn't D Snyder just do it too. And yeah, yeah, we were just talking about that the other night, Juan, <laughs> just yeah. in our production meeting, we we're just like, that that's just a thing now. It 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 it's works in some cases, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I was gonna say killing joke with Dave Grohl, but Dave Grohl is on everything. So right. there's the <laughs> Well, it's that thing too now where I mean, I know you guys know it too, but the, you know, for the longest time being in primary fifty five or being in a new metal band was looked down upon and and now you get, oh my God, you were in primary fifty five. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so it's such a bizarre like I think I went through what he went through obviously on a much smaller scale, but, uh, you know, just saying like, yeah, I was in primer 55 when I was trying to be in, you know, bands oh. in the 2010s, <laughs> you know, you're just like, eh. right. But, well, and now at 2021 and, and new metals kind of having a, a resurgence, right. there, there are acts out there playing new metal music still to this day or, or newer acts that are kind of coming up. And at the same time, like the older stuff is finally, it's cool to like it again because I think that, I mean, that happens with everything probably. Right. But like, it's definitely people are, are taking notice some of that stuff that came out 20, 25 years ago. That is just timeless still. Yeah. It's cool. Like the, you'll see those lists of like, you know, top 10 new metal bands or top 50 new metal bands and primer gets it, you know, primer will get added to those lists all the time. And, and it's, even though technically I wasn't there for the actual recordings of the band, but I mean, I was around the camp long enough and toured in the band long enough to like, I take a lot of pride in that and uh, oh, yeah. kind of fly that flag to this day. You know, I still get tagged in primer stuff all the time. And, and um, you know, I talk to Bobby all the time still and, and, and all that stuff. So it's very cool to kind of see that band getting uh, recognition so many years later, because when we, we did the show, we did the tour in 2002 and then we kind of took some time off. And then 2007, 
they put out like a B-sides and rarities album. And I got to, uh, I talked to Bobby and I'm like, well, are we touring this? And he's like, well, I guess you were the last bass player. So I guess, uh, I guess you're still the bass player. Squatters, and, right? Uh, and yeah, right. Technically, yeah, I've always joked. If you look at the Wikipedia, I think I'm like the longest tenured bass player, but we were inactive for like five of those years. Um, <laughs> but we toured in uh, 07 and we played a lot of like Joe's Bar and Grill. It was it was very bizarre to pull up to these venues that you know, there would be like 20 people tops in some of these places. But it was, I don't know if any of you guys have been in bands before, but if you play in front of 20 people and nobody knows your band, it's a weird experience. But it's even weirder when it's 20 fans of the band. So they are having the time of their life. They're, they're reliving Oz Fest 2000 in their head. You know, they are singing every word. And so it's a very bizarre moment where, you know, you have to play a really good show because these people are here for you, but it's still like an empty crowd. <laughs> it's a very weird place to be. I'm curious. So introduction to mayhem is like your album of the times. It's a perfect you know, rap metal, new new metal album of the times, and then the new release comes, and there's almost, almost like a reggae undertone, which I, I, I hear later on. You know, when I listen to it more recently, how is that for those live shows? That dynamic, you know, the first album's a lot heavier, right? So that must be interesting. That whole dynamic. The set list is always very bizarre to me. Both times we we toured because I don't know who like. I don't know what the thought process was behind the set list because I mean, they just gave it to me. It's not like I was like, Oh, I'm actually guys. I think we should <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, right. like on the, on the 2007 tour, we opened with loose right into this life. I'm like, why are we playing both the hits right, you know, right out the gate? And, um, but yeah, it's the set list really never, the dynamic of the set list never really felt odd. I think the, you know, we didn't play some of the songs that had like horn, you know, horns in them live. You know, we didn't have we, no no horn guys came out. But you know, a song like Texas would still get people going. Totally, you know? yeah. I can but see you that. Could play, you know, you could, you know, you would see the the drunk girl in the front, you know, with her arms in the air, mm-hmm. and, and she's she's totally into Texas and stuff. So, looking back on, I mean, a lot of my, I always thought I liked Introduction to Mayhem better, but going back and listening now, like songs like you know growing and pills and uh you know like i said this life and there's a lot on that second record that is really really good and i know that i've talked to bobby about it a few times i've had bobby on the podcast and and it's funny being in a band with somebody and then you bring them on your podcast to ask them like questions you really wanted to know but you know he he says yeah i mean they definitely made a conscious effort to change up on the second record because even between introduction to mayhem and the new release you know the the new metal was changing you know like mm-hmm. the, yep. the times the times were a changing even back then and you know a couple of years later yeah you might as well have, have uh you know committed murder if you were in a uh right a new metal band you couldn't have got any gigs at that point so yeah it's um i think i think i don't even know how much bobby was really into the new metal thing i know he was into rap and he was into metal but i mean we would be in the van driving down the road and he would put it like he had like a duran duran cd that he wore out you know and i'm like and i'm sitting there talking about these obscure new metal bands and he's like yeah i have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) that's that's interesting you're like the third or fourth person that's that's mentioned something like that where 
uh, people in said band have listened to or have, have played a certain type of music, but then, all right, show's done. I want to listen to Duran Duran, or I want to listen to something completely different just to kind of get out of it. And, and I mean, I know when I get away from my job, I don't want to be doing that anymore. So it makes right. sense to me, but I never thought of it until we started doing this and talking to people that were, you know, lived it. Yeah. I mean, we, obviously I don't you know, eat sleep, breathe new metal all day long. You know, I, I was, right. Yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was heading, you know, heading down the Snoop Dogg thing, uh, you know, Tupac thing today and just kind of, you know, revisiting that. And, and yeah, I get it. You know, you don't, you don't listen to what you make all day long, but yeah, I just kind of wonder how much he ever listened to, uh, of the time. I mean, you know, he obviously phenomenal guitar player, like one of the most, like we would, we did a, a side band after primer for a brief moment. And so we actually recorded at his house and we would just be sitting there and he'd be like, I think I'm going to put a little lead right here. He'd hit record and it was awesome. Like every time I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> like, you know, because a lot of people get like, uh, what is it? Like red light syndrome and stuff like that. As soon as you hit record, like you just forget how to play. But every time he would do it, he'd just be like, ah, I think I'm going to record this song now. Boom. Here's the song. Yeah. Wow. In the liner notes of uh, the new release, he's credited with every instrument, pretty much. Yeah, he, yeah, he's just a savant. It sounds like. Yeah, that's what um, I think. Both albums, he should be uh, credited with both uh, with all guitar and bass. He, uh, yeah, he he's definitely a musical genius and just can can learn anything, can play anything. You know, I wish he was still playing. I wish he was still touring. I wish you know, any band that needs a bass player or guitar player should call him up because it's just a waste of talent that he's not out doing more stuff. Hmm. I've always been jealous of those people that could just pick up an instrument and just start playing. Like, oh, I heard that song. Here yeah. you go. This is how you do it. <laughs> oh, the, the guitar player in 12 Volt Negative Earth, Cody McCall, he he would just piss you off. You would just be like, hey, man, you remember hearing that song one time? He's like, oh, you mean this song? And he would just play it wow. note for note. And you're just like, how do you, how do you do that? Yeah, like, yeah. Yep. It, yeah he, he, he's still a, an incredible musician. They, uh, the two guys from 12 volt, um, Trey and Cody have a band called Rift R I F F T. Very cool band that they, that they're still continuing on doing. Nice. So you tour, so you tour with primer from, you know, when that EP comes out, there's no, nothing new is recorded, right? It was just all B sides and whatnot. And you you yeah, uh, yeah. toured off it. Yeah. For like three years. Uh, yeah. I mean, we toured for, I think I toured that B sides album for maybe six months. And then it got to a point where, like I said, we were playing in front of nobody. Jason was a mess. And then that's actually when they switched, we switched singers at that point. And that's when Donnie, the DRP came in for a little bit. Uh, about that time I was just, you know, I, we were making no money. And to where my day job, I was like, I was like, I'm making more money in my day job. And I had kids at the time still do, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but I had kids, you know, first time around I was 23 and no kids, no responsibility. Second time around in primer, I had kids. I had, you know, I had a wife and I was like, yeah, this, this chasing the dream at this point was, was kind of pointless because, you know, the band had already peaked. And, you know, when you're not sending money home and you're getting right. phone calls from the road and you hear kids crying in the background, you're like, 
none of this is worth it. Yeah. And the music yeah. world's in a different place too at that point in time. Oh yeah. I mean, there's definitely, you know, the, the downloading thing was going on. I mean, I remember Bobby always talking about had, had the downloading thing not really been around by the new release coming out, you know, obviously would have sold way more copies. <laughs> I don't right. I don't even know if they could really track it, but he always he always swore up and down that if they they somehow figured out how to see how many downloads were happening around the time, he said he said they they downloaded platinum. I think is what he tried to say. Uh, <laughs> you know when 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 uh, the new release came out. It's funny because it's not even just downloading; it's the fact that the CDRs came out around yeah. the same time too. So even if you had a friend that had the album, you burned it. That's a lost oh, yeah. sale, right? That's a lost sale. Yeah, I mean that's that's the one thing. I mean I. I, I don't know your guys' opinion on it. Spotify. <laughs> there you, go. <laughs> you know, the opinion of Spotify or whatever, but I think that, you know, something's better than nothing. Obviously, you can see the stats. You can see how many people are playing it. I mean, you got bands like Metallica taking, you know, they'll come to your town and look up and see, okay, in, in, in Portland, Maine, you know, these 12 songs are the most popular ones here. We're going to, we're definitely going to play those live. You know, there's a lot of, a lot you can take away from Spotify. I know, I know they get a lot of bad, bad rap for a lot of the different things, but uh, I think, I think, you know, coming from a downloading world, I think that that's, you know, at least they're getting something for, uh, for, for, you know, uh, their, their music there. Totally. And I mean, I know in the time frame, you know, the deal three to Oh six, seven, eight, I broke coming out of college, first job, not making a ton of money. Yeah, if I could download it, I would. But since then, I've been making up for it and trying to buy everything I can get my hands on that I like. Physical right. media, vinyl especially, but like I also have a, a Spotify account or an yeah. Apple Music or one of the you know one of those that will pay, and I'll stream it that way when I can't get my hands on it or put it in a CD player. So uh, I've been atoning for my sins for years now, but I did it. I mean, it was yeah. part of the world back I in 03. I remember the first album we ever downloaded completely from Napster was White Pony. And my friend had a T1 connection. We were like searching track lists and, and yep. you know, databases and everything else. And we finally got the entire album. You know, a couple of tracks probably had like, you know, Z102, you know, or yeah, something yeah. Like yeah. of it. But uh, we did, we finally got it all. And I was like, I was like, all right, I'm going to, if I do this, I'm still going to buy the album. I just want it early. And I think that lasted for a White Pony. <laughs> and after that it was and then once it when like torrent sites came out where you could like get an entire discography in one click i mean it was over with at that point i'm shaking my head very quickly right now yeah i did that i did that a lot in college <laughs> and and i've since tried to buy those things just because i felt i felt bad because i mean it's all about supporting the artist i think especially oh. nowadays I, I i'm big into that and obviously want to make sure that those the the right people uh, you're supporting the right people so oh yeah Josh, you were mentioning, uh, you know, tough times on the road, you know, things kind of coming to not an end, but at least in your vision, you were seeing things kind of fizzle out in your career with the band. Was it at this time, were you reading like other journalism in the music world and thinking like, oh, this might be a good pivot for me? Or was it completely random or how did that come about? Curious. Uh, I mean, that, that came later. I mean, I was always, I've always joked about it and, and we kind of go back to the Fred Corey thing with, I would be playing bass, tracking, you know, bass tracks and in between bass tracks would be like, so tell me about the Moscow Peace Festival, you know, nice. tell, me about, tell me about touring with Bon Jovi, you know, any of that stuff, just, just, and then even as a kid, you know, I was meeting, I had a friend of mine who, uh, 
we would make it a point to if our favorite bands came to town, we would find the hotel they were staying at or, or find somehow get a backstage pass or find the tour buses and just be those kids that sat outside the tour buses for 10 hours or something, you know? And so, and I was always talking to bands, meeting bands, you know, having questions for bands and things like that. So, and then even, um, you know, I was, I was joking the other day about going to, the grocery store Kroger and just sitting in the magazine aisle back in metal edge and rip and hip Raider and all those in circus and just sitting in the aisle and just reading, you know, not buying, but, but, uh, but reading the magazines and maybe getting one here and there metal maniacs and things like that. So, I mean, I, I've, I've just been a music fan and, and like obsessed with, with, you know, the, you know, asking questions about why you did this, why you did that, you know, tell me a great tour story about this. Tell me something like that. And, um, so yeah, I mean, any of this stuff, podcasting and, and, and all that kind of came about, I had, uh, in about 2015, I think I really started looking into like internet radio and just getting an internet radio show. And I still didn't technically have the technology, technically the technology at the time for all that. So I, I, I kind of scrapped that idea and just. When I first started listening to podcasts, it was my new job. Uh, I, where I worked, you couldn't stream, you know, radio very well. So, but I could download podcasts before I went to work, go into work, you know, listen while I was at work, and then and then head out. So I was like, and after listening to this, this, yeah, that was 2014. About 2015, I was, I was listening to a lot of podcasts, and then after a while, I was just like, I could do this. Like, totally, you know, listening to Joss's show, listening to Eddie Trunk, and and some of the bigger ones and, and, um, and just being like, you know, these are just conversations I would have anyway. And so very quickly, I mean, it, it, it was like, I think I'm going to start a podcast. I had talk to me or speak to me. And so I went talk to me and then alliteration. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, I, I ordered a, a cheap microphone off of Amazon, downloaded audacity onto the family computer I got a uh, recording app on my cell phone and uh, I sent out a few texts to, to this kind of comes back around to being in a band. I mean, I, I texted, uh, you know, Billy Gray, who's now in Fozzie was in primer with me for a little bit. So I was like, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing a podcast. Do you want to do it? He's like, hell yeah, I'll do your podcast. Fred Corey, early, early uh, interview. Um, Bobby Burns, easy, early interview. Chris Kale from five finger death bunch replaced me in, in 12 volt negative earth. So oh, wow. I've known him, you know, God, 25 years now. So I text him. I'm like, Hey, you know, let's, uh, will you, will you do my podcast? Right. Uh, so the first 10 episodes or so were just people that were already in my cell phone. So kind of came out the gate with, with some really good artists and stuff. And, and, uh, I cringe when I go back and listen to those early episodes. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I cringe now too, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, we, so we can relate to all of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I am so over my voice. It's beyond me. I even edit it like 1.6 speed just so I don't have to hear myself. <laughs> I might start doing that for right. myself. <laughs> and I just well, jot it, also, it down. That's a pro tip right there. Yeah. Pro tip. But also, you know, it also gets through the episode quicker too, but uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it was, it was really just, you know, I found a, I found a server or I found a host and I, you know, I, I did it so quick 
Because I think if I would have really mapped it out and tried hard, I probably wouldn't have done it. And I think podcasting was still, I mean, I know it, it had been around at that point for 10 years, but I mean, it was still kind of in that infancy of, of people really getting into it and not just mainstream people with really good equipment. It was kind of opening up for everybody else. So, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of what brought me into, I've always been natural, naturally questioning everything and everyone around me. So, I mean, that's, that's where that comes from. And then time circumstance, everything else got me into it. And you, you beat the boom too, which was nice. You were, you know, you started it six, five, six years ago instead of last year when, when the whole world <laughs> was stuck at home. It was like, we could start one too. I mean, yeah. we were just out in front of it, just barely. We started when the day the pandemic started. Uh, but yeah, so many, six months later, it was like, who are all you and where do we all come from? <laughs> well, the one nice thing about the the pandemic really put a focus on video. And so I got more into video and that kind of takes you right into the not best stuff. Because by the time I, I had a friend that was doing a lot of videos, so I was asking him, you know, what do you got? What are you buying? Because I'm definitely that guy that if I see a video of a, of a podcast being recorded, I'm like, what's that piece of equipment? Yeah. You know, what's that piece of equipment? I've bought so much crap over the years that I've seen other people use. I'm like, their voice sounds really good. I'm going to get that. You know, I mean, this microphone, this is a Joe Rogan special right here, but, um, <laughs> the, so the pandemic starts, start doing more video interviews. Everyone's at home. Everyone's doing zoom. Everyone's doing, you know, Skype and everything else. So, so yeah, so I, I upped the internet. I bought, I bought a, this entire setup just for video interviews. And then I had well, getting onto the not fest thing, what I've, what I've joined up with, but right about the time the pandemic starts too is not fest turns from just being the festival to let's become a media platform. And I was quickly onto it. I was like, wow, you know, because bees who was, who was on not fest for a long time. Um, I was a big fan of his former show. That's not metal. And, you know, just, I, I had been friendly with him for a long time. And so when they first started doing stuff, I was like, Hey, let me develop a show for, for notfest.com. He's like, He's like, hold off. Let's we're, they're trying to do some stuff, hold off and, and we'll, we'll do something down the line kind of stuff. And, and uh, Ryan J Downey, who's over there has, you know, been on the podcast before and him and I have talked a lot because he did the Metallica podcast. And, and then back in like February of this year, they, they were like, we're really going to go hard at Twitch. They've really tried to do like an, an MTV style even ESPN style to where, you know, from four to midnight Eastern, they've got content all day long. And so when they started that, that's when I got the call of, Hey, you know, do you want to do a show for the not fest Twitch? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. fuck yes. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, they're like, well, this is what we think you, you would be good at. This is what you should do. I was like, all right. And the, the crazy thing about the whole not fest deal is, is even though it's like a bigger platform, I thought they would have a little bit more input, but really they just, they, I've like almost a hundred percent free reign to do nice whatever okay. I want between my, you know, five to seven Eastern on Thursday nights, not for switch. Um, yeah, go check that out. <laughs> and then after my first guest, which was, um, uh, Heidi from butcher babies who had been on my podcast a couple of times, I emailed her and said, Hey, you know, I got this not fest Twitch thing going on. Would you like to be the first guest? She's like, absolutely. So I interview her and I think the episode is just trash. Like, I'm just like, this was, this is a bad idea. I'm going to get fired. <laughs> like, 
they're going to be like, what were we thinking? And, uh, and you know, we'll just move on and we'll find another guy. And then right after I, I get off my, my stream and I look at my phone and like my boss at NotFest is like, dude, that was awesome. I'm like, all right. And he said, he said some of the other people from NotFest were watching. Everybody loved it. And, um, cause I had been trying to get talked to me over to NotFest also. And, uh, he was like, everybody loves it. So let's definitely talk about your podcast coming over. I'm like, okay. Nice. <laughs> so, I mean, it kind of all came quickly, man. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they've helped me get one guest and that was Sonny from POD, um, talking 20 years of, uh, satellite. Mm-hmm. Other than that, man, everything else that I've done on NotFest has been, you know, from relationships I already had the publicists. I mean, obviously the publicists that I, that I had relationships with, they know that I've got a, got a larger audience now or a larger name behind me and yep. things like that. So they're, so they're a little bit more willing to give you those top of the line guests, you know, to where before they would offer you, uh, yeah, you can talk to that band, but only the bass player is available. And you're like, all right, I got you. And then now it's like, we're going to hold out till you get the singer <laughs> that right. type stuff. So <laughs> we love the bass players though. We, oh, we, hey, take, the- we take them all. <laughs> oh, I get it, man. I, Hey, if, if Jason was still with us, he'd be, he'd be much better get than me. <laughs> How was it? Cause Twitch is live. How is it pivoting from the podcast where you can stay up till and I, we know this from experience, 2 AM editing where Twitch yeah. it's live. You're running. There's no, there's no hiding. It's um, it's, it's pretty, it, it's pretty nerve wracking. Honestly, it's um, the, the first time I did it, I was like beyond nervous. Like the, Cause the first time I did it, we, I did more of a, I played some videos and tried to be, you know, music critic about them and have a theme and everything else. Now it's a little bit looser. I'll have a couple of guests on the chat room now is a little bit more regulars. So I know what's going on. I mean, we always joke because five to seven Eastern is a lot of people's time. They cook dinner. So we always joke about like, what's everybody cooking? Because for some nice. reason I found out that a lot of people have it on their phone, like while they're cooking. And so everybody chimes in with, Oh, we're making a pasta dish tonight and stuff like that. So it's, it's definitely calmed down. I mean, I think this is about four months in and, and it's, it's becoming a little bit more second nature. I had done some live streams before that. So I wasn't totally out of my element. You know, I've had, we were doing like a talk to me live on Facebook for a little bit, you know, just doing those every once in a while with friends and things like that. So, I mean, it, it wasn't completely out of my wheelhouse, but it's definitely, you know, when you've got, when you've got the not fest name and you're like coming on and you're, you're trying to like do the best show you can. And, and the whole time you're like, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. You know, But now I think it's, it's a little bit more, you know, second nature. The one thing I do like about it is because, you know, I know you guys, when you do the intro to this, you'd be like, you're like, what's up guys. Welcome to Patios. What's up guys? Welcome to Patio. So, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll start over and, and if you stumble on your words, you'll stop and you'll do it again and things like that. With that doesn't of- happen. No, I mean, not, no, never. I'm just, I'm just saying that's what I do. Oh, okay. That, that's you're right. That does happen. <laughs> um, you know, it, you're a little bit more stream of conscience when you're, uh, when you're live, but yeah, when you're, when you're recording your intro, especially me, cause I'm solo. So I'm like, yeah, I got, uh, you know, Gary Holt from the Exodus and Slayer and uh, I got a great <laughs> new album out. And, you know, when you go back in, you can edit it and stuff like that. But, you know, when you're live, you just know you have to just go. So I think that's that's the main 
the main thing is you're maybe not too picky in your head and you just, you just continue to talk without stopping. <laughs> that, that was exactly what I was going to say. It's just like, I know there is a, we have a safety net right now. I mean, we can uh, stop this. I could take a 10 second pause right here. No one would know. No, I didn't, but I could. And <laughs> at the same time, like going live like that, it must be an adrenaline rush on top of being a little nerve wracking, but then, you know, you, you kind of settle into it and feel comfortable because you, you do it like anything else. Oh yeah. Cause I mean, I've got the, <clears throat> you know, the go live button on my, on my end here and, and, and it's a live show too. So, I mean, there's definitely, you know, as you're bringing people in, they've got a bad connection or they've got this, they've got that. They, you know, for the most part, I don't think anybody's ever like no showed yet. I did have cold on the show the other day and they were on the first night of their tour. It's actually one of the best, the best posts I've ever done. I did a quick post right before I was about to go on and I posted it in a cold group and the guy, I, I, I see a reaction and a, and a comment and I'm like, Oh, cool. A comment. I open it up. It's like, guy goes, I'm standing in the meet and greet line right now. So make it quick. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's amazing. So, and they, you know, there was the first night of the cold tour and, um, and so they didn't have an, they didn't have a ton of time. I think we did like 10 minutes, like a quick hit because they were, you know, obviously sound checking and, and they haven't played a show live in a while. And all of a sudden they have to stop and talk to me for 10 minutes. Right. So, I mean, it was a quick, quick chat. It was a lot of fun, but, um, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's been, it's been an experience, you know, trying to get everybody together and, and, and you know, everybody <laughs> dealing with everyone's Wi-Fi and, and all of that nonsense too. So it's, it's been a lot of fun though. So you mentioned talking to Cole, they're out on tour now. That obviously changes the dynamic from what you've been doing for the last year and a half. Same as us. I mean, we, yeah. when we started, it was just us for a while. And then we were talking to people that were at home. Like they're yeah. just, we're not doing anything. We're not touring. We're not in the studio really per se, unless they're a solo artist, maybe because uh, nobody really knew what to do. But now you've got people back on tour. And I think I, I listened to that. So you mentioned the, the van hum in the background. Let's hum. And it's there, yeah. The bus of it's there, and you're like, oh, well, it's 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 all it's like not the greatest sounding quality because of that, right. but at the same time, you're like, to back on tour, like, good, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're exactly. getting live music again. So, yeah, I had a um, I, I interviewed uh, uh, Frank Bello from Anthrax a while back for the um, for the for the show, and it was funny. The original email was like confirmed for another Thursday. And then the the uh, the publicist wrote me back. She's like, I have forgotten all about this part of it, but uh, they're on tour that day, so he can't do it. Yeah. She's like, I I have been so used to not even having to worry about looking at a tour itinerary that uh, that she booked him for a day that they were doing a, a festival. Oh wow! Yeah, we're starting to see that a little bit with people we're, we're trying to wrangle. It's like, all right, can we do this? Down? I don't know. They might they might be playing a show that night, or like getting ready to go on tour. Maybe they're they're rehearsing that night, so we can't do that. Yeah. The the one the one cool thing is I'm gonna do. Um, it's cool and it's not cool, I guess. The uh, you know, louder than life is here Thursday tomorrow. To let you guys know when we're recording, but th this is the first year I'll go to it that there's no interviews done because every year you go there, you you set up in the back in the media area, the guys come through and then you do quick little hits with everybody and and um, but they're not allowing interviews this year, so I get to go as a fan, which is kind of nice, and but I'm only going to be able to go see the Thursday day because. Not Fest is in as in Iowa on Saturday, and at first that we were going to go out there and we were going to do Twitch streaming with the guests and, and all the artists were going to come over and it was going to be this big thing and we were going to go up and which my favorite part was going to be going up and introducing bands. I was going to be that schlub that comes out and like 
like, what's up, Iowa? Let's give a big round of applause to Megadeth or something, you know, like one of those things. But um, awesome. but they, with COVID, they nobody backstage, nobody does anything. Rumor has it they're going to play my Jason Newstead interview between bands on the Jumbotron, which that's fine with me. Like, hell yeah. But, that's huge. Um, that's yeah that is awesome it's like my interview with jason and ryan's interview with Corey. i think was was going to be kind of playing throughout the day but um so i i had just thought i was going to just stay here in louisville and go to louder than life and then monday they're like are you still coming to iowa and i'm like i thought we weren't doing anything mm-hmm. and but i think now what they said there they're actually setting up a twitch stream for throughout the day uh so it should be pretty awesome i don't know if we're going to be interviewing artists or not but I'm going to hop in a car on Friday morning, drive out hotel room, go to NotFest Iowa as a part of NotFest, which should be awesome. Hopefully get to go, maybe get to go up and uh, introduce a band here and there. But um, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. 30,000 Slipknot fans in the middle, in a, in the middle of Iowa <laughs> should be, should be awesome to get to go see and, and kind of being somewhat affiliated with that camp is pretty cool too. Definitely. Kind of living vicariously through you, through all these, uh, <laughs> multi-bookings I, I book myself solid on my calendar like i want to be here here simultaneously two different festivals i'll do it i'll pull it off somehow but also you might have alluded to this earlier like it seems like you have a lot but in terms of like your biggest like holy shit moment I, you mentioned one of your influences earlier was jason Newsted. i don't know if that's your biggest holy shit moment but no. is that is that <laughs> one of them is that it yeah oh uh, yeah i mean that was definitely the um it was it was crazy because i had I've, I've built a relationship with Michael Olago, who signed Metallica to Elektra. I've had him on. He came on the Twitch stream. He came on the podcast. We're friends on Facebook, and he, like, comments on my stuff sometimes, which is very bizarre. Like, I'm just like, this dude signed Metallica. Why is he, you know, commenting on my stupid post about, you know, French fries or whatever? But um, so I, I saw that Jason popped up on the Metal Hammer podcast, and I, I – emailed my or messaged Michael and I'm like, Hey, I see Jason's popping up on some podcasts, you know, can you help me out? And he's like, give me a second. And then, you know, a few minutes go by and he goes, send me a couple of interviews that you want me to show him. I'm like, Jesus. Okay. Um, so I sent him to the, just to the not fest page. You know, I had done an interview with, uh, the guitar player from Flotsam and Jetsam, obviously a big, and then uh, Andreas Kisser from Sepultura, another big fan favorite of Jason. So I, I just said, send him to this. If he sees anything he likes, then, then we'll go from there. And this all happened on a Friday. And within a couple of hours, I get a message from Michael. And it's like someone from Q Prime, which is Metallica's management, will be reaching out to NotFest to set this up. And I'm like, well, shit. So I had to call my guy at NotFest and be like, hey, Someone from Q Prime supposed to be reached. It was it was like my people, Jason's people were reaching out to my people to get this like together. And yeah, within a few hours, it was like you will be interviewing Jason uh Monday at noon. <laughs> and so I called work and I'm like, I gotta take a vacation day. Yep. Uh, you know, I'm not coming in for any reason that day. And uh yeah, and so I come down here and I, I plop everything up and and uh I use uh, you know, the the program I use, his face pops up on it, and I'm just like fucking Jason Newstead, man. He, he gave me an hour and it was, it was awesome. You know, it, it was, I had so many notes written down that we didn't even get to. 
and then at the end of it, he goes, uh, he's like, yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to be doing something soon. Uh, I'd like to come back on. I'm like, okay. all right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that's a yes. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then we, we chopped it up a little bit, put out about four 15 minute clips on the NotFest YouTube and all together. It's like 127,000 views. Damn. Wow. It's fucking, it's, it's nuts, man. It's, it's, awesome. it's got a life of its own. I mean, you know, the comment section is a little bit of a, of a mess, but, uh, oh, yeah, I'm, that staying, happens. I'm staying that away from that. Somebody, somebody gave me crap about where I wear my hat. I was like, I was like, I think this is where people wear hats. Like, <laughs> right. like I'm looking in the mirror. Like, I think that's where it's supposed to be. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say, that's where you wear your hat. Who fucking cares? Like, yeah, exactly. That's where it's Fuck comfortable you. for you, man. Someone goes, yeah, the interviewer wears his hat really low, cuts off his eyebrows. I was like, what? That's just that's just a hat, dude. Like, stop it. The internet. Yeah. I love the internet. I hate it at the same time. Right. But yeah, Jason is definitely was the the oh shit moment. I mean, before that, I got David Ellison from Megadeth early on, another big influence on mine of of mine. And that was like episode 42, 41, somewhere in there. So I mean, that was very early on that uh, you know, as soon as that was back when I was doing more phone stuff. So his, you know, his name pops up on my phone or his phone number popped up on the phone. I was like, Oh my God, you know, Dave Ellison, <laughs> but this is real, uh, right. yeah. So, I mean, there's been a, definitely a few of those people over the time, the, the, you know, the great West Borland interview I did where we did right at two hours. Wow. And the only reason we stopped was because I had to go pick up my son from daycare or <laughs> we might still be on the phone. I think he honestly was just doing it to see how long he could go. <laughs> love it. I love it. <laughs> But uh, I mean, that was you know that was a mess. That was that was the big. What was that where he called Aaron Lewis bougie or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So yeah, that was that was a, that was a fun episode. No, just hearing the Metallica story, it just the one thing we found from doing this is just how connected the music industry is, yeah. and you don't know when you're gonna tap someone's name or you know dial you know fire up the Rolodex, and that scenario is a perfect example. And you having actually been on both sides of it you probably know that better than anyone yeah i mean it's 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 funny that how you connect the dots and all these you know with because you know michael alago came on to i think he came on to promote his book uh he and i got along really well on the internet with the interview you know obviously you just facebook friend him and he says yes and he posts like every day too he posts like these inspirational things and stuff and um and yeah, you just kind of keep that up. And then, I mean, like I said, I, I brought him on the, on the Twitch show and yeah, he just, he, he, I was like, I even told him in the text, like, I see, I see that Jason's doing some interviews and I'm shooting my shot, man. He's like, give me a second. Yep. Amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you got to, and I, man, listening to you talk about all that, I feel all of it for some of the stuff that's happened for us. And yeah. I mean, different level where we're not getting Jason Newstead per se, but just getting someone to say yes, especially when you're new and, and uh, haven't done it a ton. And then be like, all right, that person is in, they've, they've answered this. They, and then you end up, you know, striking up a comment, an hour long conversation with them. And you just, it, it blows you away that everybody's connected. Everybody's, we're all people. And you know it, it's it's wild to me, and the fact that uh, we get to do this is pretty is pretty cool. Oh yeah, I mean back in the day when you were you know hitting up Instagram or or Facebook and trying to be like, hey, you know I've got this podcast and I've had this person, this person, this person on. I really love to have you on. You know, sending out so many of those. I mean, I tend to deal with a lot more publicists now. I mean, I do have a lot of friends still. I, I tend to deal with publicists because 
and I'm sure you guys get it too, where you set up something through the person. Yep. And I think when you set up something through the person, sometimes they're a little bit more like cancel or can we do it at this time and not that time? And, you know, it's a little bit more flaky, but I, I know some people don't like the publicist side of it, but I, I, I like it because if it comes to a publicist, most of the time it's, if it's going to be nine o'clock, it's nine o'clock. It's not nine fifteen. It's not nine. <laughs> it's they're there when right. they say they're going to be there. So it's a little bit more of a, you know, comforting for me. Yep. Totally. So Josh, we've talked a lot. If folks want to check out your podcast, the talk to me podcast and the not fest Twitch, how can they do that? And first of all, if you need instructions, uh, <laughs> you might need more help than this, but uh, go for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a website, you can go to talk to me pod.com for the, for the, or for the podcast. Uh, all the links are there. The NotFest Twitch is twitch.tv slash NotFest official. It's always free. You can always chat. I, I've been, I now post some of the Twitch interviews onto the Talk To Me feed. And then if you're listening to those shows, you can always tell that, you know, the, the chat room is always a buzz. People jump in there with good questions. Um, I'll ask them. People jump in there with dumb questions. I'll ask them too. I'm much more apt to ask the question of, what's your favorite artist or what is, um, you know, what is a band you'd like to tour with? Some of those kind of more generic questions. If I can say, Hey, uh, Tony in the chat's asking, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, sometimes yeah. you can actually get a good answer out of some of those generic questions, but, uh, yeah, but yeah it's definitely, um, you know, the, the fans asking questions, the fans actually ask a lot of bizarre questions that I'm like, someone in the chat's asking about, and then you'll say it and they're like, Oh my God, that was uh, you know, Salt Lake city. And you know, the, you'll get a crazy story out of it or something, but, wow. but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a lot of fun, definitely interactive. So come over, hang out with us. Uh, there's a lot of great shows over there on the not fest official Twitch. And then, and then obviously the, you know, there's not fest daily with Alicia toot where it's like a daily wrap up of new songs and movie trailers and things like that. And you got, Ryan J. Downey doing stuff over there with the with the screen uh, screen crusaders, I believe it's called, and um, you know uh, you got riff riff war type shows where people are playing music and and uh, you know beer tasting and things like that. So there's a lot of good shows. Come check it out. Like I said, it's kind of like a like a like an old school MTV type thing where we we play videos, we talk about them, commentate. You know, if I'm if I'm in the mood, I'll start playing videos about you know uh, old head PE videos and and you know if you're a new metal fan, come check it out because we're gonna have a lot of uh, new metal artists on. I'm definitely talking to CJ from Drowning Pool about coming on soon, so that'll be a lot of fun getting him on the show, and getting to talk some of those early days with Dave Williams, things like that. So so yeah, and and it's it's a little bit more of um like the podcast. I I've I've tried to differentiate the podcast is more hey we have a new album out. Let's talk about the new album. The Twitch stream should be more, hey, let's talk about your career. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that's the 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 differentiation there of the of the podcast and the Twitch stream. And you're on every Thursday, you said? Yeah, Thursdays, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern, uh, not Fest Official Twitch. And then the podcast also comes out on Thursdays uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And then the replay of the twitch stream comes out on tuesdays now so tuesdays man this is a lot <laughs> it's always you're, adding something you're, to the, to you're the, busy man you're busy yeah 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 so yeah the the twitch stream replays are the following tuesday podcasts are two are thursdays 
Throwback Throwdown with two of me on Not Fest Official Twitch. It's Thursday nights, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Nice. Cool. We have a couple of lightning round questions. They're not they're not super in-depth. They just don't always fit into the flow of an interview. So right. uh, first one, something we, we talk about a lot here is, is nerdery, something we call nerdery. Uh, it, it can be a physical object. It can be... You know, just talking about what we do every every week when we record, we call it nerdery. It's just it's the stuff that we love about music. Uh, it could be any different thing. So for me, like my shoulder, as you can see, there's a couple of photos framed. Those came from Lance Mercer himself. He took them of uh, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden. So th- that's nerdery. Uh, if you had to pick, you've got a bunch behind you, I can see. What's some of your favorite, one of your favorite pieces of nerdery that you own? Ooh. Off camera, you there's like boxes and boxes of crap. <laughs> Same. Um, this is like the one spot in the house where like the wife just shakes her head. You know, she's just like, she's a clean freak. Like earlier, she's like, I'm about to clean. And I look around, I'm like, what are you going to clean? Like the house is clean. It doesn't make any sense. <clears throat> but, um, but yeah, so like I've got, this is just my area. And she's just like, yeah, oh, I can't handle it. Favorite piece of nerdery. I'm trying to see what we got back here. I've got the... Uh, I found some DeLorean stuff the other day at the Goodwill. So I've got nice. a, I've got a bunch of back to the future stuff hang, hanging around. Um, that's definitely a, a, a nerd moment for me. Um, the framed white photo here with the autographs, that is my Pantera autographs from 1994. I was 15 years old. My friends and I, we found where they were staying, the, ho- the hotel they were staying in and we like staked it out. And then this is back when like the, pantera home videos were a big deal and we knew like the the crew of the band because the pantera home videos the crew was as big as the band in those videos and so we saw like the head of security big val and we're like big val and it was only it was only me and him like it wasn't like a huge crowd of people and he was like guys you know if if you guys are cool the the band would be cool and blah 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 and so uh so they'll be down in a little while and we I, i went to the bathroom at this hotel and i come outside and and uh, checking out, you can see Dimebag's pink beard. Wow! Just checking out, and me and my friend were like, "Oh my god, it's Dimebag Daryl!" You know, and uh, we you know run up to him, and I've got this really bad photo of me, and like like last second, I was like, "I'm going to make a metal face," and like when you're 15 years old, you don't have a metal face, you know, like so I'm making a stupid face, but yeah, I got the uh, uh, you know all of Pantera's autograph in 1994, Far Beyond Driven tour, pretty awesome. Nice. Damn. You said DeLorean. I check your Instagram DM. I just sent you a picture, a photo of a DeLorean that I saw this summer at a restaurant in Kennebunk, Maine. <laughs> I uh <laughs> I was getting my I, I got in a car accident and my um a lady I work with husband you know has a has a body shop or whatever. So she's like, take it there, you know, he'll fix it up for you. So I take it there and he's got, you know inside the shop he, he's a he's more of a, a it's not a like a mechanic he's a body guy and so I, I i look around and he's got you know stingray and whatever and then all of a sudden i see it it's a damn delorean in his thing nice. and i'm like what and so i go over to it and i'm like taking photos with it and like selfies and all this other stuff with it but uh yeah there's been a few delorean moments over the years um when i was when a 12 volt played uh new orleans one time we were getting off stage and my singer went outside and he comes running back in. He's like, to me, there's a DeLorean outside. <laughs> and I'm like, I go outside and this girl who's, you know, our age, you know, early, 
late teens, early twenties gets out of it. And I'm like, what are you doing with the DeLorean? She's like, my dad worked for John DeLorean back in the day. And this was an actual gift from John DeLorean. And I was like, you gotta let me drive it. She's like, yeah, you can drive it. Oh, nice. So we get out and I go onto the road and I'm like driving like 10 miles an hour. And she's like, you know, you can drive faster than this, right? Yeah. I'm like 88 miles an hour. I'm like, I'm like freaking. I was like, I don't want to break your DeLorean. I don't think she really cared about it. I think she just drove it. But uh, yeah, there there was, that was awesome, man. I remember, and there was, there was one for sale late nineties by our house and they wanted $4,000 for it. I was like, I was like 19. I was like, who has $4,000 in your night? And it, and I, like, I needed a car. But I couldn't buy a you know DeLorean for my daily driver, but uh, my man, I wanted that thing so bad. And there weren't they only made a I mean there weren't many made so four thousand back then is way more now if it's in the like, I think they wanted four thousand. This was like internet in it, the internet in its infancy. So yeah, you know, yeah, now you can find DeLorean parts and DeLorean Motor Company makes parts now and stuff. But back then they're like it needs a water pump. Good luck finding one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're it's never going to drive this. You can you can tow it to your house and look at it if you'd like. <laughs> yeah, the internet plays a good part. That's like selling a vinyl record in the 90s, and they're like, shit, I sold it for 20 bucks. Now it's worth 20 grand. Like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. Well, I sold, um, this is funny, I sold a copy of uh, Slipknot's Iowa on vinyl for like 15 bucks, like uh, eight years ago or something. Someone the other day was like, "Yeah, they didn't really, re- you know, they didn't repress that, and those things are co- going for like three hundred dollars now." Yep. Oh, great. Yep. Good job. Yeah, that this is the one thing about the internet that kind of ruined a lot of the. I got really big into collecting metal lunchboxes there for a long time, and I really enjoyed going out and finding them at antique stores and thrift stores and and yard sales and everything else. But then, that, then as soon as like eBay and everything became prevalent, where there's an app on your phone, it's like now it's it's kind of like lessened the hunt. Totally. Like if you really wanted yep. a certain one. Now you can just like boop, it's on your phone. But back in the day, you know, you had to go and scour, you know, uh, Salvation Armies and stuff and find them. Right. Pound the pavement a little bit. Yep. 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 Josh, you were mentioning the uh, the Pantera hotel thing. I can relate with a lot of the things you're saying. That one for sure, staking out the hotels. <laughs> in fact, when you said the supermarket thing, like looking at Hip Parader and Circus Magazine, I would buy those to go then go to the hotel and get them signed kind of thing. But kind of like it's a creep, basically, is what he's. Yeah, what well, was? I still am. <laughs> he's he's our creep, but yeah. <laughs> I got like you said the bins of random nerdery and stuff. I got that too. But kind of like switch it the other way around. It's like Pantera, you were staking them out for you on tour. Do you have like a favorite memory or unique memory? I don't know, maybe being stocked with one of them, but something like that that kind of sticks out for you um, in the Primer days. Yeah. I mean, really just from the moment I joined Primer, like they were the the fans of Primer were always very open to me being in the bands. I mean, they were very cool. It's funny now, once again, the internet being a little bit more prevalent, Facebook, people finding me that met me back then, sending me photos of of me signing autographs and hey, we took a picture with you back in the day. Those always kind of blow my mind. I look like a baby in those photos too. <laughs> like, I'm like, look at that little kid. But um, yeah, I mean, just just all that stuff. I mean, we took some we took some photos for Metal Edge, and I met the the editor of Metal Edge on that tour. And like I said, being a kid that just sat in Kroger and and read Metal Edge magazine from front to back, and and just seeing his name over and over when I met him in person, you know, it was like meeting a, a fictional character or something in real life. Yep. And um, so yeah, it's like that. Those kind of moments were always cool. 
the fan the fan stuff was always cool signing autographs always was was very cool even in 12 volt man we 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 got big enough in nashville where (laughs) here you go here's a good story Uh, i thought about this the other day i worked at tower records in nashville for like a summer and this is like 12 volt negative earth is like the you know we're the biggest metal band in town we're selling out the thousand seat you know uh club and this kid comes up to me and i'm working in this this will date it too i'm working in the cassette department and working by myself and this kid kind of freaks out on me he's like are you are you 12 volt negative earth i'm like yeah and he's like man can i get your autograph and i'm like I'm at work. Like, why do you want my autograph? <laughs> like, I, I was so dumbfounded. Like, why this kid wanted my autograph while I'm at work? And um, I, I, honestly, I don't know if I gave it to him. That kid probably still hates me to this day. Like, that, little, that asshole didn't sign my shit. <laughs> probably some of those negative comments on YouTube. It's probably him. Uh, that's great. That's awesome. Josh, thank you so much for your time. I uh, really appreciate talking to you tonight. And go check him out on the Twitch stream Thursday nights, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern. That's it. And the Talk To Me podcast as well, which drops on Thursday as well, right? Yeah, Thursday is a big, you know, Talk To Me Thursday. All the alliteration there. Nice. Perfect. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it, Josh. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. Absolutely. Take care, guys. Take care, guys.